0: Chapter four of the Surprising Adventures of Bamfield Moore Carew King of the Beggars by Bamfield Moore Carew. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. So active was the mind of our hero that he was never more happy than when engaged in some adventure or other. Therefore, when he had no opportunity of putting any great stratagem in execution, he would amuse himself with those which did not require so great a share of art and ingenuity whenever he heard of any melancholy accident by fire he immediately repaired to the place where it happened and their remarking very accurately the spot inquired into the cause of it and getting an exact information of the trades characters families and circumstances of the unhappy sufferers he immediately assumed the person and name of one of them and burning some part of his coat and hat as an ocular demonstration of his narrow escape he made the best of his way to places at some distance and there passed for one who had been burnt out and to gain credit showed a paper signed with the names of several gentlemen in the neighborhood of the place where the fire happened recommending him as an honest unhappy sufferer by which he got considerable sums under this character he had once the boldness to address justice hall of exmouth in devon the terror and professed enemy of every order of the gipsies however our hero managed so artfully though he went through a strict examination that he at last convinced his worship that he was an honest miller whose house mill and whole substance had been consumed by fire occasioned by the negligence of an apprentice boy and was accordingly relieved by the justice coming one day to squire portman's at brinson near blandford in the character of a famous rat-catcher with a hairy cap upon his head a buff girdle about his waist and a tame rat in a little box by his side he boldly marched up to the house in this disguise though his person was well known by the family and meeting in the court with mr portman the rev mr bryant and several other gentlemen whom he well knew but did not suspect he should be known by them he accosted them as a rat-catcher asking if their honours had any rats to kill do you understand your business well replied mr portman yes and please your honour i have followed it many years and have been employed in his majesty's yards and ships well go in and get something to eat and after dinner we will try your abilities our hero was accordingly placed at the second table to dinner and very handsomely entertained after which he was called into a great parlor among a large company of gentlemen and ladies well honest mr rat catcher said mr portman can you lay any schemes to kill the rats without hurting my dogs yes boldly replied mr carew i shall lay it where even cats can't climb to reach it and what countrymen are you pray a devonshire man please your honour what may be your name our hero now perceiving by the smiles and whispering of the gentleman that he was known replied very composedly b a m p f y l d e m o o r e c a r e w this occasioned a good deal of mirth and mr carew asking what scabby sheep had infected the whole flock was told parson bryant was the man who had discovered him none of the other gentlemen knowing him under his disguise upon which turning to the parson he asked him if he had forgotten good king charles rules mr Playdell of st andrews milbourne expressed a pleasure at seeing the famous mr bamfield more carew saying he had never seen him before yes but you have replied he and gave me a suit of clothes mr Playdell testified some surprise at this and desired to know when it was mr carew asked him if he did not remember a poor wretch met him one day at his stable door with an old stocking round his head instead of a cap and a woman's old ragged mantle on his shoulders no shirt on his back nor stockings to his legs and scarcely any shoes on his feet and that he asked him if he was mad to which he replied no but a poor unfortunate man cast away on the coast and taken up with eight others by a frenchman the rest of the crew sixteen in number being all drowned and that mr Playdell, having asked what countryman he was gave him a guinea and a suit of clothes mr Playdell said he well remembered such a poor object well replied our hero that object was no other than the rat-catcher now before you at which all the company laughed very heartily well said mr pleydell i will bet a guinea i shall know you again come in what shape you will the same said mr seymour of Hanford. some of the company asserting to the contrary of this they desired our hero to try his ingenuity upon them and then to discover himself to convince them of it this being agreed upon and having received a handsome contribution of this company he took his leave but parson bryant followed him out and acquainted him that the same company and many more would be at mr Playdell's on such a day and advised him to make use of that opportunity to deceive them altogether which our hero soon resolved to do he therefore resolved in his mind what stratagem was most likely to succeed at length he fixed upon one which he thought could not fail answering his purpose when the day was come the barber was called in to make his face as smooth as his art could do and a woman's gown and other female accoutrements of the largest size were provided for him having jumped into his petticoats pinned a large dowd under his chin and put a high-crowned hat on his head he made a figure so comical that even hogarth's humor can scarcely parallel yet our hero thought himself of something else to render his disguise more impenetrable he therefore borrowed a little humpback child of a tinker and two more of some others of his community there remained now only in what situation to place the children and it was quickly resolved to tie two to his back and to take the other in his arms thus accoutred and thus hung with helpless infants he marched forward for mr Playdell's coming up to the door he put his hand behind him and pinched one of the children which set it a roaring this gave the alarm to the dogs so that between their barking and the child's crying the whole family was sufficiently disturbed out came the maid crying carry away the children old woman they disturb the ladies god bless their ladyships i am the poor unfortunate grandmother to these poor helpless infants whose dear mother and all they had was burned at the dreadful fire at Curtin, and hope the good ladies for god's sake will bestow something on the poor famishing starving infants this moving story was accompanied with tears upon which the maid ran in to acquaint the ladies with this melancholy tale while the good grandmother kept pinching one or other of the children that they might play their parts to greater perfection the maid soon returned with a half-crown from the ladies and some good broth which he went into the courtyard to eat understanding the gentlemen were not in the house and got one of the under-servants whom he met to give some to the children on his back he had not long been there before the gentlemen all came in together who accosted him with where did you come from my good old woman from curtain please your honours where the poor unfortunate mother of these helpless babes was burnt to death by the flames and all they had consumed damn you said one of the gentlemen who is well known by the name of worthy sir and was particularly acquainted with mr carew there has been more money collected for curtain than ever curtain was worth however he gave this good old grandmother a shilling and other gentlemen likewise relieved her commiserating her age and her burden of so many helpless infants not one of them discovering our hero in the old woman who received their alms very thankfully and pretended to go away but the gentlemen were not got into the house before their ears were saluted with the tintivi, tintivi and halloo to the dogs upon which they turned about supposing it to be some brother sportsman but seeing nobody worthy sirs swore the old woman they had relieved was carew a servant therefore was dispatched to bring her back and she was brought into the parlor among the gentlemen where being examined she confessed herself to be the famous mr bamfield more carew which made the gentlemen very merry and they were now all employed in untying the children from his back and observing the features and dress of this grandmother which afforded them sufficient entertainment they afterwards rewarded our hero for the mirth he procured them in the same manner he raised a contribution of mr jones of ashton near bristol twice in one day who had maintained with a gentleman of his acquaintance that he could not be so deceived in the morning with a sooty face leather apron a dejected countenance and a woolen cap he was generously relieved as an unfortunate blacksmith whose all had been consumed by fire in the afternoon he exchanged his logs for crutches his countenance was now pale and sickly his gestures very expressive of pain his complaints lamentable a poor unfortunate tinner disabled from maintaining himself a wife and seven children by the damps and hardships he had suffered in the mines and so well did he paint his distress that the disabled tenor was now as generously received as the unfortunate blacksmith had been in the morning being now near the city of bath where he had not long before made so great a figure with his new-married bride he was resolved to visit it in a very different shape and character He therefore tied up one of his legs behind him and supplied its place with a wooden one and putting on a false beard assumed the character of a poor old cripple in this disguise he had an opportunity of entertaining himself with the different receptions he met with from every order of men now from what he had done before in his fine rich clothes the rich who before saluted him with their hats and compliments now spurned him out of their way The gamesters overlooked him thinking he was no fish for their net the chairman instead of please your honor damned him and the pumpers who attentively marked his nod before now denied him a glass of water many of the clergy those disciples of humility looked upon him with a supercilious brow the ladies too who had before strove who should be his partner at the balls could not now bear the sight of so shocking a creature thus despised his poverty and rags though sometimes the veil of real merit and thus caressed and flattered his finery though perhaps a covering for shame poverty of soul and abandoned profligacy one character alone vouchsafed to look upon this contemptible object the good man looked upon him with an eye melting into tenderness and soft compassion while at the same time the hand which was stretched out to relieve him showed the heart felt all the pangs which it supposed him to feel. But notwithstanding the almost general contempt, he raised very considerable contributions, for as some tossed him money out of pride, others to get rid of his importunity, and a few as above out of a good heart, it amounted to no small sum by the end of the season. End of chapter four